0: Welcome to the Everyday Neuro podcast series. I'm your host, Dr. Janine Cooper, and I'm aiming to provide you with knowledge and inspiration into understanding the fascinating world of the human brain. Whether you already have some experience or this is the start of your journey, then the Everyday Neuro podcast series has something to offer you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 15 to 20 minutes of discovering all about the human brain. Today I'm going to be talking about the effect that aging has on the cognitive domain of memory and I'm going to be joined by the psychologist Hannah Miller. She's going to be chatting with me about her recent research study that's investigating how there is a relationship between older adults perceived or subjective memory complaints and their level of anxiety. In episode two of the Everyday Neuro podcast series, I talked about the changes that occur as we get older, and one of the areas we do notice quite a change is in our memory abilities. In our everyday lives, we're quite used to having lapses in memory, but as we get older, we can become more concerned about the changes that are occurring in our episodic or event memory. The research has shown, though, that these subjective memory complaints are actually very unlikely to be anything more than typical ageing. But of course, this can create a little bit of anxiety for the individual. And it's this relationship that has been explored by Hannah Miller, a research psychologist who has just completed a study at the Australian College of Applied Psychology. A very warm welcome to you, Hannah, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having
1: me here. Um, It's great to be able to talk about my honours project and and what I found. So, thank you.
0: So, Hani, can you tell us why you were so passionate about doing this particular type of research? So, at the time um, I began honours and was looking
1: at what project I wanted to undertake, I'd been working within the aged care sector for about two years. And a common theme that I found within my role um, was needing to support clients with n- and not only memory difficulties but clients who had worry and fear about the possibility of memory difficulties in the future and what that would mean for their independence. So that was where sort of my interest began uh, and with psychology as a whole, supporting the ageing population is a, is a major challenge that we face and so I thought that it had importance
0: and for me it had real, real meaning within my work and my personal interests. Absolutely, because your research is really just helping us to get that little bit more information about what we can be doing to improve our well-being as we get older. It also focuses on emotional intelligence. Can you tell us what that is, please? So when it was first introduced, um, it was described sort of as a subset or a
1: component of what they called social intelligence. And broadly, they, they've said it was the ability to perceive and understand emotion And to use this knowledge and these skills to facilitate thought um, and to motivate behavior, the broad abilities that they divided emotional intelligence into were perceiving emotion, using or expressing emotion, understanding emotion, and then managing emotions. Um, And that was both in oneself and in others.
0: Okay. So, thank you. I mean, it it sounds like we all, therefore, will vary on uh, our level of emotional intelligence. What measure did you use to be able to record this in older adults that you um, involved in the study?
1: So, the questionnaire that I used was a measure of what they call trait emotional intelligence. And the literature on emotional intelligence differentiates between ability emotional intelligence and trait emotional intelligence. Uh, so the, the model that I used was a trait emotional intelligence questionnaire and the questionnaire essentially asked participants to rate themselves on a scale um, from one to seven, so from completely disagree to completely agree, and it asked participants to rate the extent to which they agreed with um, things like I'm usually able to influence the way other people feel and then from, from those answers, I got an overall score for emotional intelligence, as well as four scores, which were subsets, if you like, of the trait emotional intelligence.
0: Okay. So, this um, measure, I'm going to put this in the show notes, Hannah. So, it's called? So, the, the measure that I used was the
1: Trait Emotional Intelligence Questionnaire, or the T-E-I-Q-U-E, and it's by Petrines and Furnham.
0: Based on your experiences in the aged care sector and also obviously from the research um, that you've read, what were your main hypotheses for the study? Based on the literature, there wouldn't be a
1: significant association between how participants felt about their memory and their actual performance on memory tasks. And that proved to be true in, in my results. The second thing was both, I guess, intuitively from what my experiences working with adults, as well as the literature, was that there would be an association between um, how participants felt about their memory and their anxiety. So the more memory complaints participants had, it was predicted that they were going
0: to have greater level levels of anxiety, which they did. And so this is their own perception of memory problems then, Hannah, you're sort of saying that it might be that an older adult feels that they're not able to remember some activities that they may be doing later in the day or their memory has maybe not been as accurate as they think it has been in the past. Is that the kind of memory complaint that we're talking about?
1: Yes, exactly. And the memory, I used three measures of memory complaints, and they measured a range of concerns and perceptions that participants had. Um, and they varied. So some were about feelings towards memories, and whether they had positive um, views about their, their skills their memory skills. Others were more practical and concrete about rating how often they made mistakes, such as losing their keys, and then others just asked them to, to basically give an indication of, of where they thought their memory was in relation to, to other people their age and to younger people. So, yeah, the, the subjective memory complaints tried to capture a range of concerns that particip- participants may have had about their memory, both currently as well as how they felt about the
0: future. And they're very sort of typical things as well, Hannah, which is what I really like about your research. It's very applicable to everyday people living their lives rather than some strange lab-based memory measure. This is all about things that really do happen in everyday life. And it's, it's great to see that in, in the research that you've done. So what were your main findings? I guess the first one um,
1: and that was important from a research perspective was that there was no relationship at all between how participants performed on a uh, objective measure um, of memory so that's a, a task they had to complete which sort of gave me a rough indication of their memory there was no relationship between that and how they themselves rated their memories or felt about their memory so that that was interesting and also supported what was already out there the other thing was that there was a strong relationship. Relationship between memory complaints, so the sort of the worse I guess um, the participants felt about their memory, the more anxiety, the level of anxiety. So those were the two kind of um, key findings that I then built some of my other findings off, if you like.
0: So older adults, when they do feel and perceive their memories as not being as good as they used to be, then obviously that's creating quite a high level of anxiety in everyday life. That, that's a big thing to find, isn't it, that we need to maybe try and reduce that anxiety. What did you find in terms of emotional intelligence? How did that interact in this study that you've done? The main finding was that
1: uh, greater levels of emotional intelligence predicted lower levels of anxiety. And out of the four components of emotional intelligence that I looked at, Um, emotional well-being was actually the most important in predicting lower levels of anxiety. I also looked at some other factors um, and looked at their relationship to emotional intelligence. Uh, So for example, I asked participants to record things like the number of hours they spent um, participating in a hobby each week, as well as the number of hours they spent socializing with friends and families. And I found some interesting findings in regards to these factors and emotional intelligence.
0: Okay, so in terms of spending time with your friends or family or um, doing a hobby that you really enjoy, I- I'm thinking that's going to elevate your mood. Is that what you found from your results?
1: Yeah, it was good um, in the end when I, when I got my results, having those factors in there, having those variables in there, because it gave some sort of practicality, if you like, to the results. So I found that the subcomponent of emotional intelligence, which is called sociability, predicted the number of hours participants spent socializing with their family. And in addition, I also found that the number of hours participants spent um, engaging in a hobby was negatively associated with anxiety. So meaning the the greater um, hobby engagement they had, the lower the levels of anxiety. Um, And the last thing that I thought was really interesting was that there was a, a positive relationship between overall emotional intelligence And hobby engagement so the um, the greater their levels of emotional intelligence the longer or the more they engage in a hobby each week
0: right so basically you're saying that um, for older adults who've got a hobby then that's a really good thing it's allowing them to reduce their anxiety levels is that correct Yes, that's right. Yeah. Great. Oh, fantastic. So for older adults that maybe feel a little bit like they are disengaging from activities because they're worried about their memories, in fact, if they start to engage a little bit more, that's hopefully maybe going to reduce the anxiety that they're feeling. Yeah, as well as obviously the benefits of, of staying
1: active and keeping, keeping their mind active. So,
0: Absolutely. Was there a difference between socializing with friends compared to family members? Yeah, there
1: was. So, um, on average, the participants did spend more time socialising with family, um, and they might be because of the the age demographic. With other research, such as um, Erickson's stage theory model, discussed whether this was because those participants higher in emotional intelligence have a sense of fulfillment um, by giving back to family relationships, sort of that investment in, in the next generation. Sort of related to that, too, was that the number of hours they spent socializing with family, the lower their anxiety. So it goes both ways in that their family is um, social support, so they may have sort of better uh, emotional well being, but also that the greater their emotional intelligence, the more likely they were engaging in those family relationships and wanting to give back.
0: So it's a very positive set of results, really, that if you are older and you're worried about your memory, then by engaging in hobbies, spending more time with your family members, maybe engaging with younger people, sharing the knowledge you've acquired, then actually that's going to reduce the anxiety that you may have acquired from worrying about your memory. So it sounds a nice thing to be able to do that engagement seems to be helping with anxiety.
1: Absolutely. And I think um, as well, remembering that subjective concerns or worries about memory is very, very common within the older adult population. But often these concerns don't have a basis. Often these concerns don't translate into actual memory performance. Yeah, they might be able to prevent or reduce that anxiety.
0: Thank you so much, Hannah, for sharing this amazing study that you did as part of your honours year. Do you have hopes to try and publish this so that uh, the listeners can maybe access it at a later time point? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. It would be great. Well, I look forward to reading it. And um, thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you all the best with your research. And also, great to know that we're really moving forward and trying to help people who are getting older when they are worrying about their memory complaints by looking into what might mediate the effects of that anxiety. Thanks so much Hannah. Thanks for having me. So far in this episode, we have discussed changes to memory that occur due to the effects of typical aging. However, sometimes changes to memory can become extreme and create difficulties that can negatively affect well-being and activities of daily living. Sometimes these changes to memory can actually signify a cognitive symptom of Alzheimer's disease, which is a progressive disease that destroys memory and other important mental functions. Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia in the general population, and it accounts for up to 60 to 80% of all dementia cases. If you would like this information... I have created additional content that accompanies this episode and in it I discuss the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease and ways to assess for it as well as what changes occur to functioning and what happens within the brain. I also talk about ways people can reduce the likelihood of the occurrence of dementia. If you would like access to this along with additional content for other episodes in the podcast series, you can become a patron of Everyday Neuro by visiting patreon.com forward slash Neuro. So to recap, the key it seems to reducing stress and anxiety that will then increase levels of well-being and aid cognitive ability is to stay active and have a good level of exercise and sociability. So that's all from me for this episode of the Everyday Neuro podcast series. As always, please look after that amazing brain of yours. And until next time, take care.